0: Welcome to the Baseline Community Church Podcast. So, it's me again. You know, no matter how often you do this, except for Ken and Don, I think you always get nervous coming up here, you know, sharing God's Word, and I always think, Lord, let it be you speaking and not me, because Karina can mess this up. (sighs) So if you turn with me to, in your Bibles, we're going to be coming out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 and 18. And if you don't have your Bibles with you, we'll have it up on the screen. But if you remember what I said last time, it's always important to have our Bibles. You don't want people preaching at you. You want to know what the Word says for yourself. Amen. So we're in this series called Field Notes. Most of you know that we're a military family, right? So when Don first asked me to speak, the picture I got about field notes was when Will used to go out in the field for you know days at a time and he'd come back and in his pockets, I'd find these little books with scribble, scrabble and all kinds of notes in it. Well, I say that to say that for me, it didn't mean anything. I didn't understand it. I asked him, you know, what he used it for, and it was like, I don't know, it's guidance, something to reference, so that when we, when we go out back later, I know what we did. But for me, it was like speaking a foreign language. Well, in a sense, when I thought about field notes in the series we were in, that's what Paul is doing with us, right? So he's taking notes, sending letters while he's out on the field to be used as a future reference or guidance to those that read it and understand it. That's important that we say that. Because that that's kind of what God did with the whole book, really, with the whole Bible. He gave us field notes so that when we were out in the field of spiritual battle, we had a resource, something to reference. So let's look at Paul's field notes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, and therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise up with Jesus, will raise us up with Jesus, and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For a light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's a lot to be said in just a few verses, right? Well, what I want to do is kind of break this down into three pieces for us. Okay, so there's three points that we're going to look at. We're going to look at what does it mean to believe? What do we do with our belief? And what does it look like to keep our eyes on that which is unseen, that which is eternal? Is that okay if we go at it through those three points? So let's start with the first point. What does it mean to believe? Let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if you're a believer. What if I would have asked that question in a classroom, or in a work meeting, or on a social media blog, open to the public? What kind of response do you think I would have gotten? Believe in what, right? What do you mean believe? You see, for the believer, that's a simple statement. We know what being a believer is. We know when I ask that question, are you a believer, that I mean, a believer in Christ and the gospel, right? Romans 10 and 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth confesses and is saved. And then John 1, 12 tells us that to all that received him and believed, he gave the right to become children of God. That's how we are connected. That's what makes us part of the same family of God. For this reason, we're called brothers and sisters of Christ. For this reason, we understand that when someone asks if we are believers, we know what they mean. For this reason, because we are one family, we love each other without even knowing each other, right? The proof is in how easy it was to connect with our brothers and sisters from Grace of Laverne when we had that Easter joint service, right? We are believers. We're part of the same family, right? Jana, can I use you as an example? When you came to church for the first time last week, it was easy to connect with you because you're a believer, and so you were my sister in Christ automatically. And now she's here with her family, and they're not strangers. So my point is that there's a reason why Paul made this point to begin with. That's point number one. It's that simple. That's all it is, what it means to be a believer. Christians call themselves believers because it is the foundation of our faith. It all begins with believing. And so we also know that Paul wrote these field notes to the believer because in verse 13 he starts, and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, What he was saying is, because we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, because we believe in the written word of God, then I can make the next point. You see, Paul was making a disclaimer. He said, if you're not of the same spirit, of the same family, you may not get what I'm about to say next, right? You may not understand what I'm about to say. Like in my military analogy, where I didn't understand the language, I didn't speak it. The non-believer would also perhaps have difficulty understanding the field notes that Paul wrote so he says i believed and therefore i spoke we also believe and therefore speak he was saying you're a believer and that belief should trigger something so brings me to my point number two we established we are believers now what right so for paul he could not keep what he had learned to himself now think about it he traveled through asia antioch cyprus thessalonica philippi to spread what he believed. I'm not asking you to go to Europe. But, I mean, it's a great trip if you want to take it. But he was writing to the Corinthians, and he didn't give the Corinthians an out here. He reminded them that they were joint partners with him in this. Right? We also believe and therefore speak. You see? There it is, the field note in this passage, the message, the reference, the guide, our belief should trigger us to speak. Because we believe, we speak. That's it, that's my message. Drop the mic, whoop, <laughs> there it is, I can sit down now. But my point is that it's, we sometimes make things complicated, but it really is that simple. I wanna go a little bit deeper because when we say, okay, we believe and therefore we speak, right? There's something that happened in that therefore and in that speak. The Greek word for therefore here is diodio. I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but my Greek teacher would be proud. Um, Diodo can be translated into, for this reason, for this very reason. Consequently, for which cause, stay with me, we're going somewhere here. But then, because I only had enough time to do one Greek study word, I went to Merriam-Webster for speak, okay? So speak in Merriam Webster can be translated to mean to tell, to express feelings by other than verbal means, to be indicative or suggestive, and then they said to testify. And I thought, "Oh, that's interesting." So if we substitute those meanings, those meanings into the scripture, we get we believe for this very reason testify We believe, for which cause, tell. We believe, consequently, expressing feelings other than by verbal means. Speaking is not the only way you can share the good news. Let me tell you that those statements I know are not easy to make and are not easy to follow. I mean, for people like Don and Ken, who live in full-time ministry, right? That's their profession. When people come to them, they speak, They expect to hear biblical truths from them. They expect to have those conversations. My day-to-day, perhaps like yours, is not the same. I'm a leader in my job. I have direct reports. I'm a nurse manager and hold some authority over others, just a little, not a lot. It's not very important. But my sharing may be perceived inappropriate appropriate for the workplace. I'm, It may be intimidating for others, right? Or it may make others feel uncomfortable or apprehensive. So I have to proceed with caution. Then with my family, I have a, you know, most of my family are unbelievers. When I share, they may feel judged or it may come across as judgmental. So again, I need to proceed with caution, but still, There's something in me that triggers a desire to want to share with others what I have found and has made me whole. You see, because of verse 15, for all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Do you see how we're breaking each of these down? So we believe and so we speak. And the reason we speak is not just for the glory of God, but it's for the sake of others. And so believing triggers a desire in you to want to share the good news that you've found for yourself, right? So we do it because it gives God glory and for the sake of others to come to understand the same grace that we have, that we are saved not by how we live or what we do, but solely by God's grace. So then I've learned to be ready to speak and be used wherever God opens a door or present an opportunity and in any situation like today. So very recently, God showed me, though, that there are ways to speak loudly and sometimes without even using words. How a testimony can speak the name of Jesus simply by loving Jesus. This part of the sermon is going to be a little emotional for me, so you may catch me just reading, okay? But let me start first by moving us into the next passage, verses 16 through 18, just so we stay within context. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, but that of things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So earlier I told you I was a nurse, and it's no secret that we've gone through a great loss of life across the world with COVID-19. The US alone has set seen a total of 1,016,862 lost lives due to COVID-19. As of today, actually, and 92,401 of those have been in California. So to put it in some perspective for you, the leading cause of death prior to that in the world, um, I'm sorry, yes, in the world, was ischemic heart disease and stroke but only approximately 877,500 Americans died each year from these two together. Now, I wasn't sure if we were ready to hear this story or if I was ready to tell it. And I understand that for some of you that have experienced tremendous loss or trauma during COVID, this may be very sensitive topic, but I wanna share with you what not losing heart looked like for me and how fixing our eyes on what is unseen was shining a light in the midst of darkness. And how it made all the difference in the world. So as I told you I was a nurse, there's no secret that our healthcare workforce was tired, overwhelmed, heartbroken through the surge. A study asked some nurses what the hardest thing they had to endure was. And most of them said things like long hours and extra shifts because I didn't know who would be there for my patients. Also said, dealing with the fear of taking something home to their families. And finally, seeing patients die alone because their families couldn't be with them. You see, healthcare providers see their purpose to treat and to heal. And so the initial unknowns of COVID well, that left them without a purpose. Many struggled emotionally and psychologically through this. Except for the believer who understood that there was a greater purpose. Those that knew that affliction was but for a moment, things that are temporary, that if we only kept on things that are unseen, then we could find that which is eternal. So we looked for light and darkness. For me, that came one day through a request. Someone from our church reached out to me to let me know that their mom was in the hospital and asked if I would please check on her. This isn't uncommon, and I've always made myself available for this whenever possible, but there was something about Ginger Wallace that helped me to see Jesus clearly through this time. After so many days of long meetings, planning for the surge of patients and logistics, long hours and stressful or difficult conversations with staff and families, my first reminder that Jesus was still present and in control was the day that I went to check on Ginger in the ICU. When I arrived on the unit, the charge nurse immediately acknowledged me but was on the phone. I stepped aside not to rush her. She was taking a message comforting the caller and turning to someone a signal for a pen and paper. She said, okay, honey, what's your name? I'm writing her a note right now and we'll make sure she sees it. And yes, I will make sure to tell her you love her. She hung up the call and said, I'm sorry, Karina, I'll be right with you. I just don't wanna forget to deliver this. I looked at the note in her hand. It had hearts and swirls and said, Grandma, I love you, from Tiffany. Simple words, but the nurse didn't recognize but the nurse recognized how important it was for the family and the patient, enough that she made it look pretty with hearts. And I saw Jesus. She found the patient's nurse and said, when you go back in there, can you please post this on her board where she can see it all the time? It'll make her smile. And I saw Jesus. She found the patient's nurse and said, I'm sorry, next paragraph. The patient nurse acknowledged the patient's nurse acknowledged it, but was busy with another patient, so she couldn't go get it right away. So then the charge nurse asked me what she could help me with. I asked her about Ginger, and she said, Oh, gosh, that note was for her, and I saw Jesus. The whole exchange I had witnessed about Ginger reminded me that Jesus was still in the midst, showing his love through others. The charge nurse didn't know who I was there for or what I needed, She had a number of things to accomplish with critical clinical care, but she also understood the importance of love and connection. She could have comforted the caller, hung up the call, and simply called into the room to relay the message. But she made a note, a decorated note, to frequently remind the patient that she was loved. That was Jesus for me. That was Jesus for Ginger. So I proceeded to take the note in myself, And when I met Ginger and told her who I was, her face lit up to know that I was from baseline. I think she recognized what we talked about in our first point. point—that Though we had never met the connection of believers that made us family, and again, I saw Jesus. I told her that she wasn't alone and that I would be around to check on her even if I couldn't come into her room. Then I asked her if she needed anything, if there was anything I could do before I left. My Bible, she said, or a Bible, please. And I saw Jesus. And that's when it dawned on me that we didn't have Bibles to give patients that requested them anywhere in the hospital. For Ginger, her family was quick to bring in her Bible, of course, and her phone, but the thought lingered in my heart. Ginger's condition became more challenging, but even as she struggled, It was evident for me that she did not lose heart, and she kept her eyes on what was unseen, knowing that her affliction was but for a moment. On the third day, I did what I've been doing every day, and I asked the nurse, how was she doing this time? And she said, I think she's getting more confused. She's reciting the Bible, I think, because she's talking about the resurrection. I don't think she knows where she is, she said. I'm not sure if the nurse was a believer or not, but I'm sure Ginger was still ministering to her and sharing truth. Ginger believed, and so she spoke. I saw Jesus. As I saw her condition starting to be more sensitive, I went into her room one last time. It was her final morning and I realized that she was no longer responding to our voices. So I fixed her up in bed, looked at her phone on the tray table with some unread messages. So I opened them and read them out loud to her and they were from her children. And in each separate message, they said to her that they just finished praying together for her and that it was okay. They told her they loved her and that it was okay. As I read them through her, through held back tears, I spoke to her and said, Ginger, can I pray for you? She didn't answer me, of course, but I prayed. I prayed out loud, welcoming the peace of God into her room to comfort her. I prayed for peace. I prayed for her children and her grandchildren, and I prayed the strength of God's purpose. And I saw Jesus. It wasn't a long moment. I was again reminded that Jesus was still shining light in the midst of darkness. And in that moment, Ms. Ginger's calm reflected Christ for me. Now, out of respect for their own grieving, I'd never shared this story with her family. And yes, I did get permission to share with you today. I hope that after hearing it, they still feel the same and that it blesses them. Ginger did more for me than I could have done for her in those days. She was a reminder not to look at what is seen, but at what, that which is unseen. The things that are unseen are eternal. Ginger believed and spoke like Paul. Even when she couldn't in words, God was still using her. Her story didn't end there. The church called me some days later to ask how they could help the hospital or contribute a meal or anything else, any challenges that the staff were facing. I quickly thought of Ginger, and I asked them to send Bibles. You see, it might have been challenging for me in my position to order Bibles without ordering books of other religions and faiths, right? But if they were a donation from a local organization, well, I could work with that. So Ginger's Bible project was in effect. We delivered 96 Bibles, you can go to the next slide, to 13 units so that a Bible could be readily available for anyone that wanted one. We even encouraged the staff to take one if they so wished, knowing that they also needed the comfort of Jesus in Christ. Each Bible carried a message, and I know that it's hard to see, and I was looking for that message. This was in 2020, two years ago, but we, you know, the church developed a message with Ginger's name on it to honor her and her ministry, and the hospital... um, And the hospital even acknowledged it in a newsletter. And they recognized Bible donations we received from Baseline Community Church in Claremont. So you see, my point is that Ginger was a believer. Because she was a believer, she was speaking, even when she couldn't speak. And if we go back to our three points today, when we talk about what does it mean to believe, We know that we are believers together in Christ and have the same spirit of faith. And so we are called into one family of believers. Ginger was a part of my family in Christ. And just like Paul used field notes to encourage the believers in Corinth, so should we encourage one another. So what do we do with our belief? Being believers should call us into action. Obedience into speaking. We believe, therefore, we speak. You can speak in several ways, right? Ask yourself, what is your Bible project? Where is God opening a door for you to serve? Within your circle of influence, how can you put your faith into action this week? Seeking opportunities to share that which is written, that which is what calls us into the family of believers. And then finally, what does it look like to keep our eyes on that which is unseen, that which is eternal? As believers, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen on what is unseen and not what is seen, excuse me. Don't lose heart in your faith. There will be times when we feel our flesh tired and wasting away, overwhelmed by the cares or the infirmities of this world, right? But that's when we come to God and allow him to renew us. Not conforming to this world, but transforming through the renewal of our minds is what Romans 12, one and two tells us. You see, riches, promotions, social clubs, they're not gonna fill your cup the way Christ can. When I feel something is missing in my own life, I try to serve him in some way. I let him use me, knowing that obedience is our faith in action, focusing on that which is eternal. So, I was, as I was preparing for this message, I want to leave you with one last thing. Because there's a song that really spoke to my heart when I entered into worship and I asked God to give me the words to speak. Because I always feel like, you know what? Who am I, Lord? Like, you know, I I don't always know what to say or how to say it, or I'm going to run out of stories in my own testimony to tell you guys, right? You've heard the last one. But, you know, I always ask God to tell me what he wants me to say or what he wants you to hear. In feelings of inadequacy, um, I heard this song. And the song in part says, Why you ever, ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life, I've been told that I belong at the end of the line. And then it says, but Moses had stage fright. And Daniel brought a rock to a sword fight. Everybody's got a purpose. And so when the devil starts to tell me, who do you think you are? I say, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since he rescued me, he gave my heart a song to sing. So I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. So I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Like Ginger, are we living for the world to see nobody but Jesus? Let's pray. So Lord... First, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. But I pray that as believers, Lord, that we can reflect a fraction of the light that you shine through ginger. I pray that we can learn how you've called us to speak in our own ways and that we can be obedient when given the opportunity to do so. Help us to fix our eyes on that which is eternal and forgive us when we don't. Help us to live a life where others can see Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.